Hey everybody, this is AJ, the Media and Creative Director for Lifehouse Church. We are so glad you are checking out our most recent message, and we hope it encourages you, challenges you, and most of all, inspires you to go show the world they are loved and highly valued. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk about the promise, and this is the promise. It is God's heart towards you. God's heart towards you. If you're taking notes today, that would be the title. I heard if you, uh, I had a pastor tell me if you take notes, you get into heaven quicker. (laughs) And I wasn't sure I wanted to take notes. (laughs) Because I have expectations of the South. I'm coming from Northern, Northern California, y'all. And I got to, woo! And I got to jump in Don and Lindsay's small group uh, before I even landed here, and they started telling me all the wonderful things of the South, and food. (laughs) Lots of good food. And so I'm like, oh my, and Don's like, you got to try this burger, and you got to try this barbecue brisket place, and you got to try that wing kahunas place, and and you got to, and like, I'm like so starving, and I haven't even arrived in Tennessee yet, but I'm like... (laughs) You know, but for me, it was like I have this expectation, right? Because Don has promised me good food, and we haven't been to Buddy's yet. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. So there's this expectation, right? And so we're, we're, we're praying, we're seeking the Lord on whether to come here and how to come here and all the stuff that that entails. And, and uh, we get here, right? We arrive. We kind of crash landed. It was like, you know, we landed, we're here. And then you know what? The promise got fulfilled. We went out to Big Kahuna's. He told me about this place called, is it Cookout? Did I say it right? Okay. I was calling it Knockout. Maybe that's because that's, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's because how you feel after you eat it. You're like, ugh. Just some down and dirty good old fast food. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. It's hard to ask God to bless that sort of stuff, but we, we do it anyways, right? We do. So we're going to get into the word here in just a second. Um, those of you that like to flip your analog Bibles, it is uh, 1 Samuel 16, I think. Yes, 1 Samuel 16 is where we're going to be going for the most part. I'll have uh, a couple other scriptures than that, but that's probably if you have your analog Bible. Um, go ahead and head on over there. Put that bookmark in or grab your neighbor's finger and tell him to hold it. <laughs> I forgot to tell you guys, I'm like, I got the spiritual gift of awkwardness. I... It's correct. That's right. I got a thumbs up in the back. I can't see who you are, sir, but my heart is with you. As with all of us, because we have to endure this. <laughs> so let me set up some context here. We're going to be talking a little bit about the beginning uh, story of David as we see it in the Word and in the Bible. Uh, so we have the Hebrew people, right? And I'm talking ancient people. They started before we even had written history. And so the Hebrew people were in Egypt. Um, due to Joseph migrating his family down there. So they're in Egypt for a while, three, four hundred years, I believe, something like that. And they're in slavery and they're in bondage, right? And so who comes and sets them free? Moses, right? Moses comes in and, and takes them out of the promised land. And then we have that book of Exodus in our word. And so they're wandering around the desert for about 40 years, I believe is what it was. And so then they finally enter the promised land that God said, hey, I'm going to give this to you. They enter the promised land and they occupy it through the campaigns of Joshua. So Joshua, you know, they go through, they destroy all the enemies over there. I know it's kind of like a weird thing in the Bible, like people getting destroyed just 
say yes, amen, it happened. God, God was behind it somehow. We're not destroying people today, okay? Jesus has come, and there's a new way that God is dealing with people. So anyways, they get into the promised land. It's conquered, and they set up their tribes. And then we come into a period, what's called Judges, right? And there's judges that rise up in the land. There's some really good stories that happen in, in the judges period. You get like Samson, the big old strong dude. You get my favorite guy. His name is Ehud. And he like stabbed a guy in the stomach and like his stomach like sucked it in. And yeah, awkward, <laughs> awkwardness. <laughs> and so it's after that period of judges, then the people say, we want a king. We want to be like other nations and we want a king to rule over us. And God's like, you want it? Fine. You bug me long enough, you get it. That's the Jeff paraphrase version on that. And so the first king is, is risen up and his name is Saul, right? He was anointed by the prophet Samuel. And so now Samuel is going out and he is choosing another king. Why? Because Saul is not following after God's heart, and God is ready to appoint uh, his next successor. So we kind of pick it up here in 1 Samuel 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. And when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the... Yes, you're still with me. Verse 8, Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in... If you don't know what that means, ask your kids. <laughs> so then, Je <laughs> then Jesse, t oh, Lord, we got to get somewhere today. <laughs> then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one that the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. S dude, I don't know. I'm not a Greek and Hebrew student. <laughs> but Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Je Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons that you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. David was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil and had, that he had brought with him, and he anointed David there with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. And a tag scripture here in Acts 13, it says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God has said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, help us to prepare our hearts today to be good soil for your word. God, I thank you for every Bible-believing church out there today. Bless their time together. Bless their fellowship. God, I pray that you would change us today through the power of your word and the leading of your Holy Spirit. We love and we thank you today. Amen and amen. 
So I've kind of already given you the backstory, right? David's going to become um, the next king. And it's kind of weird because as we look into the life of David, it, it's not necessarily the kingly uh, markers or identifiers that you're, that you're looking for, right? He was the youngest. Um, uh, I, I remember, I think it's in the NIV or in the New King James, it said like he was ruddy, <laughs> right? And uh, Saul, when he was chosen king, he's like literally what they said is, is he's a head above the other. So, you know, he was great in stature, seemed like he was going to be the one, but uh, his heart was not with God. Um, and so that's why David's coming on the scene. And, but David's life, it literally was like this. And can we put that photo up there? David's life was like a roller coaster. If you're joining us on Wednesday nights, and if you haven't, I encourage you to please do. We're going through the Psalms, and so we're starting to kind of get a look at uh, David's life. And uh, Braxton, everybody who knows Braxton, appreciate him. Woo! Braxton brought uh, the word last week, and I just love how he kind of broke it down and made it, you know, understandable. And, and uh, he brought out some highlights of the life of David. And he also brought out that roller coaster that he was going on and talking about in his um, in his psalm there. I don't even remember what psalm we were on. It was a good one. What was it? 139. It's like those hymnal numbers. 139. Let's sing it together. Here we go. Somebody remembers those days. <laughs> and so throughout David's roller coaster life, we can see the promise of God's heart for David. And church, by that, we can know what God's heart is for us. So let's dive into this passage of scripture together, and we're going to pull out just a couple of points, a couple gems of truth. And if you're writing notes down, you might get an Applebee's gift card. Y'all don't want to go to Applebee's, that's okay. I'm just kidding, that's a lie. That's a, I'll admit to that. <laughs> Point number one, if you're taking notes, God sees you. God sees you. Verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find, everybody say find. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. And in Acts it says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found <laughs> David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God told the prophet Samuel, go find. In Acts, it says that God found. He found David among the family of Jesse, and in order to be found, you have to be seen, right? Hide and seek. Anybody play that? Any adults still playing that? <laughs> my boss is coming. Hide. <laughs> You all know you've done it. <laughs> and if you haven't, teach me your ways. <laughs> so who was David at this point? What the Bible has offered us so far, David's the youngest. Um, he's out doing the chores of the family. Seems like nobody else wants to be doing it, so he might be getting stuck. For me, that's like washing dishes. Glory. Ugh, dishes. And then we're going to see later, we're not going into the passage, but David's going to go bring food to his brothers on the battlefield. So he's kind of like the DoorDash guy who goes there. <laughs> David kind of seems to be out of sight, out of mind. Would you agree? At this point, out of sight and out of mind. I'm going to put a photo up there. Back in my hometown of Oroville, we have a lot of people that are out of sight and out of mind. I know, I know the poor and the homeless, they're, they're everywhere, right? They're even here in, in Oak Ridge and, and Knoxville. 
Um, but an illustration is this is, um, we were, uh, there's like an organization in our town called the Hope Center, and they do a lot with working with the homeless and those who, who need some really, really, you know, help in those areas with food, um, with finding lodging and all that stuff. So with the Hope Center, um, I got to speak to, sit down and speak with some people that were homeless, and I was like, what, what, I mean, what can we do other than, you know, the services we're providing here? And so one of the people told me, and, the, and this is forever just kind of changed my my thinking and my thoughts, but they said, you know when we're out there holding the sign, <laughs> right? We've all seen the sign. I saw the sign. It's that awkward. Let's keep going. Keep going. Open up my eyes. I saw the sign. <laughs> I saw the sign, and they said when we're holding that sign, like everyone kind of like goes and ducks their head down or doesn't look or, or whatever. And so I said, okay, I've done that. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I said, what can I do? They said, at least acknowledge we exist. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can acknowledge that you exist. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord is going to call you to help them, right? I know some people have given money, give groceries, or maybe directed them to the to shelter or whatever, and God bless you for doing that. It's all, you got to do what God has called you to do. I will always look at them, acknowledge them, head nod, or a wave, whether I'm going to really help them uh, materialistically in that moment, or if I'm just going to say a prayer going by. But David was feeling left out, I am assuming, and David was out of sight and out of mind. Have you guys ever felt unseen in your life? As a child in your family, did you feel like you didn't exist? Maybe at your school, maybe you felt like you were invisible, maybe at your workplace, You think you're not appreciated and nobody recognizes what you do. How about in your marriage? Ouch. You ever feel like you're unseen, not recognized? Here's the kicker. What about in church? Do you come to church and are you ever feeling unseen, unnoticed, unloved, and uncared for? Personally, I haven't experienced that here at LifeHouse, and I pray we never do. I pray we're a church that opens their hearts and their doors, and that's all I have seen from you guys. I've seen you guys welcome visitors. You guys welcomed us in from California, and you didn't even know I was awkward yet. (laughs) You might still invite me out for lunch or dinner now after. I don't know. I don't know. But sometimes we can feel present but unwanted, available but unchosen. We can be visible to people, but yet we feel unseen. David might have felt invisible, but God saw him. And 1 Samuel 16, 1 says that God selected David. Isn't it nice to know that we have not only been seen by God, but to be selected, to be chosen by him as well? Amen? I love being chosen. This next picture we're going to put up here um, has some bad memories for me. We got it up there? Lifehouse, not Lifehouse Church. (laughs) Thank you, media. Can we just thank the media team? You guys make everything go. If you're watching with us online, there is a crew manning those stations, and they're doing everything that they can in order to help you have a good experience and experience the life and message of Jesus. Thank you, guys. So this wall here, this brick wall, it reminds me of a wall we had in my elementary school growing up. And so what we would do is we'd come out to recess, and we would line up along the wall. 
right? And it was for soccer or whatever it is. I just remember soccer because I wasn't really good at it. And so we line up on the wall and they have two team captains. I was never really the team captain. And so then they start picking teams, right? I want you. 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 And since Ballard wasn't really athletic, guess what happened a whole lot of times? Pick last or close to last. (laughs) Oh, I don't even know if I should say this next thing. Do it. <laughs> I'm trying to be sensitive to this day and age, but understand that, like, I even cried a little bit when the skinny girl got picked before the skinny guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was life. But you know what? There was a time where my best friend was a team captain, and guess who he picked first? Yeah, baby! Yeah! Never mind the fact that I kicked the ball in our goal for the other team on accident. I'm just kidding. I can't remember that far back. So number one, God sees you. But number point number two is God knows you. Right? It's one thing to be seen, but to actually be known. And I think you guys felt that way about kind of seeing me online for a little bit. When we crash landed here, the first person to see me had never even really met me. Is he here or is he working at a, where is, Kayla, where are you at? Bo, are you in here? Kayla, Neither. They're upstairs. So Bo and Kayla, you know, the youth leaders uh, dropped our kids off at camp. So they were like the first one to actually like lay physical eyes on me. And they're like, we haven't even really met you. We've just heard about you. And we're the first ones to see you. So they were kind of the ones to kind of really get to know us, right, in person. God sees you and God knows you. In 1 Samuel 6, 16, verses 1, there's our verse again. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king, so fill your flask with oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a name of Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be made king. So in the Old Testament, if God was going to anoint you to be the king of his people, then I really, really bet 95% of my dollars, about $4, (laughs) that God knew who he was selecting, right? He knew about that. He wasn't just going, "Mm, you're up, you're up, dude, You're, you're up. Okay, I don't know you, but you're up. God doesn't do that. He knows you. And in Acts, God said that David was a man after God's own heart. And God knew that, and God chose him. Did you know that David's relationship to his family was kind of weird and different? I think Braxton talked a little bit about this. Maybe it was, maybe it was Pastor Drew did. Um, anybody have a perfect family tree? Can we put that, that photo up there? Look at this. It is just a beautiful, look at that, and grandma and grandpa, and, and they're all happy. Yeah, 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 that's not reality, is it? <laughs> Anyone here have a not-so-picture-perfect family tree? <laughs> like that, four hands and two feet. David, man. <sighs> got the bad chores, got the bad rap. Had to be the DoorDash for his brothers. Who is this guy? Who, who is this guy that your own father would not even call you in for the lineup to be king? How weird is that? I don't know. I'm not saying I'm the perfect dad. I'm not. We've had that conversation with our kids just recently two weeks ago. And part... <laughs> you laugh, but it's, it's true. And I understand you guys know it's true, and I, I thank you for your response. 
Um, part of us coming out to Tennessee is that there is uh, relationships that need to be repaired and strengthened in our family. And whew, don't cry. <laughs> don't cry. And coming here to a loving church, don't get me wrong, our other church was loving too, but coming into here and just our kids being accepted from day one and brought into the fold, into the, into the inner core group, like, I know it's going to be good for my family. I know that we're in an area to where they're going to have a good selection of job choices. And I know that the social structure, for the most part, around here in the South, Southern hospitality, <laughs> is going to be good overall for their growth, right? And my hope as a parent is that they will grow in Jesus, right, all the days of their life. And we pray for that. And I love how Pastor Drew got up here. And, and you guys, it was almost like wedding vows last week, wasn't it? You're like, I do, I do, we do, we will. (laughs) We're a good church, we're good people. Anyone else a little bit different, though? I mean, me, I'm a, (laughs) someone's laughing out there, you just, you're resonating. (laughs) I am different. Man, when I was a teenager, I was tall, I'm still kind of tall, I was a pale, skinny, white dude, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Sucking it up. <laughs> I was. I was. I was really awkward and not in a, in a good way. It was. It was crazy. I even had the shirt that said "Chicks dig pale, scrawny white guys," hoping that someone would be like, "Yes, I do," and I'll be your girlfriend, and we're gonna go out. There's pain in there somewhere from my childhood. <laughs> That's why it's good to see counselors, y'all. Get someone to help heal those wounds. God is going to use the different to witness to the unseen and the unknown peoples. Guys, I was a geek when it wasn't cool. I just, I just was. I loved video games. I still love video games. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of that. And I love Star Wars. Hey, Bobby, light it up. Everybody turn around. Look at Bobby. Look at Bobby. Yeah. Okay. Woo! If you're watching online, he just lit up a Star Wars lightsaber. I asked him to bring his saber, and awkwardly, I want to... Let's not say that. It's going to get weird. (laughs) It's going to get real weird. There was a point in my youth where I would go find the geeks and the gamers, and I invited them to church, and we had these big old LAN parties. If you don't know what LAN is, that's hardwiring your computers in because Wi-Fi was not available yet to play anywhere anytime you wanted, so you had to get together small or smelly, stinky, BO-ish teenagers that want to just drink Mountain Dew caffeine. We didn't have energy drinks yet back then. Rockstar Very just came up on the scene just shortly after we started doing these. And we would get the church with like 15 gamers in. It was a two-story building, kind of like this. And so there wasn't enough room in the upper room to host everybody. So we had to like do some here and then do some here. And we had these cables running all down the church. And my pastor let me do it. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because he realized that God uses the different to go reach those that are unseen. Reach the unseen. God knows you. Get to know someone who's different, who is unseen. And you know what about that picture with the family tree? I know we all don't have good family trees, but the only tree that matters is Calvary's tree. And at the foot of the cross, we all come together. We're part of God's great family. And everything, everything is leveled out. 
There's no status structure. There's no political or politics at the foot of the cross, evened out. And I love that because I don't have to worry about all those other things. I just worry about the next person who's in front of me and what does God have to tell them? What does God want to do? So good. (laughs) Go ye therefore. Yeah, like King James every once in a while. It's a choir taste. Go ye therefore, right? Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 8.3 says this. I'm reading out of the NIV for this one because it says, but whoever loves God is known by God, right? So if you love God today, if you're in this house and you're like, I really love Jesus, I appreciate him, I honor him. God knows you. And God specializes in finding people that no one else is looking for. No one was looking for David. He was hidden away, but God saw him and God knew him. In my eighth grade class, graduating on to high school, I would have told you I was the least likely person to go into ministry. There were other kids that had stronger families, that had closer ties to church, and seemed to have life more together. But God knew me, he saw me, and he was going to use me. I would be in church in my teenage years. I was really, I was loving church, I was loving people, just give it all in. And we would have these guest speakers come through, these prophets, right? And so they would come out. We had one guy named Roger Smets. I have no idea if he's still alive, but uh, the dude was so just awesome and incredible. He would get up here, he would speak a message, and then afterward, he would like go out in the crowd and be like, it's okay, now I'm gonna pray for some people. And then he goes and, and he prays over them. And then the dude just unloads scripture after scripture after scripture on them. And it just breaks you like in such a good way. And he would do that, and he would like, I know the people that he was talking to, and I know he didn't know them, but it sounded like he was stalking them and reading their mail and checking out their emails. Like, God was so good. And so here I am, I'm in the back of the sound booth, and I'm like, man, I really hope he chooses me. I want to be chosen. I want to be. And guess what? Three times he came to our church, and all three times I was never chosen. Oh, can I get, oh, sympathize with me? Thank you. I know, that's, that's abuse. <laughs> he didn't. But do you know who did see me? My youth leaders. God saw me. They said that God loves you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. They started speaking into my life. I had one guy, his name is Jeremiah Henry. He's no longer with us. He's with the Lord. He spoke into my life. He took a summer just to hang out with the freakiest kid ever. (laughs) It was bad, guys. I was skinny. I had acne. I dyed my hair a bunch of different colors. I had bright yellow uh, parachute pants and bright orange parachute pants with sneakers. The whole nine yards. And he, he poured into my life. And so we were at camp this summer, and he had a bunch of people just get around and pray over me and prophesy over me. If you don't know what prophecy means, it's basically words of encouragement into your life. Now, some of them, they may come true. Some of them, you're going to have to work at it to come true, but nonetheless, it is very encouraging, and sometimes they, like, foretell events in your life, and they prayed over me, and they're like, I just see you doing worship ministry, and I'm like, that's cool because I tried to play the guitar, and I can't. (laughs) God is good. So from that day, I said, okay, This was spoken into my life. I want to do this. Let's start moving towards it. So what did I do? I got on the drum, not on the drums, drums, because they wouldn't let me touch any of that. (laughs) Just, 
I pulled out pots and pans from the kitchen because our youth group had this kitchen alongside of it. And so I said, hey, I'm coming to practice. I want to learn how to play drums. They're like, okay, just come to practice. So I pulled out all these pots and pans. I just started banging on them. So after three weeks, I think they were just annoyed. And they said, get on the kit. (laughs) And so from there, guys, like just being able to learn how to play the drums and then guitar and a little bit of bass. And like Don's like teaching me the keyboard right now. He's got this nasty little trick that will like get you playing in five minutes. It's great. Thank you, Don. It's beautiful. So if there's a keyboard player out there, um, we love you. We've been praying for you. Um, Come see Don. He's like, glory, Lord. Glory. (laughs) Fire. (laughs) Just kidding. I make fun of it, but guys, that stuff is is real. Um, It is. (laughs) It is. Sorry, Pastor Drew, you're watching this. (laughs) Oh, dear Lord, where's my notes? That's the ADD part of me kicking in. It's great to be seen by God. It's great to be known by God. But did you know that God goes way beyond seeing you and knowing you? And guys, you need to know this because it can change the trajectory of your life. It's point number three. Please write it down if you're taking notes. God sees you, God knows you, and God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Acts 13, 22, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. God was for David. When God looked upon David, God had good intentions for him. God was for him, and God is for you. Anybody have that grandma growing up that could give you that look? I had it. We went over to their house for Thanksgiving. We had a bunch of cousins, and you know what? They had, like, the nice home set up, you know, the plastic on the couch and the nice china cabinet and the little piano there over the side. Braxton's nodding his head. He's like, yeah, that's fine. And you weren't allowed to, like, touch anything. How do you not touch anything when you're, like, seven years old? (laughs) Man, my grandma, she would give me the look whenever we went close to her little china cabinet. She was like, You can know what people's intentions are for you just by the way they look at you. And if you've ever seen Grandma, yeah. I don't know if you can see this online. Can they see this online or are they just on the stage? Can we pan up and just show them Grandma up there looking down on you with love? No. Grandma's not liking you right now. You can get the look. The difference between encouragement And discouragement is when someone looks at you. Are their intentions for good? Are their intentions for not so good? God looks at you with great intentions in his heart for you. 1 Peter 5, 7, you know what? He says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. One surefire way to know if someone cares about you is that God supports you. We had this opportunity back in uh, Oroville. I say we, I mean I. um, Had this opportunity to uh, Thermalito Union School board, the board, to get on the board. At three spots, uh, over three periods of time, spots opened up. On the third time, I had someone approach me. 
um, that was a teacher, and she said, hey, you know what? If you want to run for that board spot, the teacher's union will officially back you. And I was like, really? I didn't run for it, y'all, because <laughs> God knew I was supposed to come out here, right? That would have been a one-year term and do all that stuff. But it's nice to know when someone supports you, right? Isn't it? Sometimes it's financially. Sometimes it's just socially. Sometimes it's food-wise, lunch-wise, Don, Buddy's Barbecue. Just, it gets weird, doesn't it? When you personally realize God is for you, it can turbocharge your path to your God-given destiny, his specific purpose in your life. That is from him, and it will always align perfectly with what the Bible, the Word of God says. The Lord cares for you. The Lord loves you. The Lord wants to bless you. And you know what? In the Old Testament, we have a song that goes for that too, uh, the priest, they have called this the priest blessing or, or the blessing of Aaron. And so in Jewish assemblies, this is a common thing. There is deep uh, ritual. There is deep meaning in what the, the Jewish people do. Um, so when they would do this, this would be, it's a prayer, and they do it over the congregation, okay? And so um, the prayer is, is uh, it goes like this. Can we put it up there, that, that picture of that rabbi? So you got a picture of a rabbi, and so when he's doing this prayer, um, they, he'd raise the hands like that, and he'd put the hands out like this, right, in a specific, and it forms a Hebrew letter, and I can't remember what the letter stands for. Once again, I'm not the Greek and Hebrew guy. See Braxton, he's pro. <laughs> so he's shaking, never mind, don't see Braxton. <laughs> Pastor Drew, they're coming to you, bro. And they had this cloth covering, and they would actually kind of cover their head over respect um, for the Lord, his name, Yahweh. And so this is in the Bible. There's a biblical reference. Um, but the last word of that blessing is peace. Everybody say peace. peace. And in Hebrew, the word is shalom. Pastor Drew did a great job of kind of explaining this. I don't remember if it was on a Sunday or if it was on a Wednesday, but it was very recently. And I want you guys, just bear with me once again. Sometimes I do untraditional things. Sometimes they're creative. Sometimes they're just analytical, weird ADD stuff going on. But would you please close your eyes, and I'm going to read this definition over you. This is... This is like the full definition of peace from everywhere in the Bible and kind of the inflections and meaning it is. It means completeness, wholeness, peace, health. And if you need to just receive this, would you just kind of open your arms to the Lord? Just raise your hands a little bit, even in your, in your lap. Let me keep speaking this peace upon you. Well-being, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony. Peace is the absence of agitation or discord. Shalom comes from the root verb shalom, and that verb means to be complete perfect and full. Thus, shalom is much more than the absence of war and conflict. It is the wholeness that the entire human race seeks. The word shalom occurs about 250 times in the Old Testament. In Psalms 35, 27, God takes delight in the shalom, the wholeness, the total well-being of his servant. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says that the chastisement necessary to bring us shalom was upon the suffering Messiah. That is Jesus. The angels understood, understood at his birth that Jesus was to be the great peace bringer. As they called out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men.
the Jewish people were very familiar with this word shalom, with peace, and the whole entire idea surrounding it. Even their capital city, Jerusalem, literally means the city of peace. You may open up your eyes. The city of peace. And the Hebrew people, they have a greeting that they like to do with people. And they'll go up to someone and they'll say, Shalom, Alachim. And I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Once again, Braxton or Pastor Drew, they'll hook you up. So they would say, Shalom, Alachim. And then the person would echo back, Alachim, Shalom. And what that means in English is that, like, peace be upon you. And they would echo back, upon you, be peace. And me being the geek and person I know, like, I read about this. I saw the priest with his hands up, and I immediately thought of this dude. Put that up there. This is, yeah. Some of you guys are laughing. Some of you guys don't understand it. Some of you guys do. I'm going to burn this image into your mind, all for Jesus. I'll do weird things as long as the word of God sticks with you. That's Spock up there. He's a Vulcan. That's his alien race. And that's his hand salute. They got that because when the producer or one of the creative people on the set, he went to a Jewish synagogue, and you're supposed to keep your eyes closed during prayer. He didn't. Because the symbol is like holy and sacred, and the blessing is holy and sacred, and they even cover their own heads. And so the little boy opened up his eyes, and he saw that, and he was amazed with wonder what was going on. So now he's an adult and working upon the set of Star Trek, and they say, we have to find a, a symbol, a hand gesture for when this Vulcan says, says their line. And he's like, it's going to be this. And those of you that know Star Trek, what do they say? Live long and prosper. And if you're a diehard Trekkie, you know what the response is. It is peace and long life. Number 6, 24 through 26 in the New Living Translation says this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you, say it with me, peace. Church, God sees you, God knows you, and God is for you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And in response, church, it's so critical that you respond, even if it's a quiet whisper in your heart, to what God is speaking to you today. I'm going to read some scriptures over you. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. For he, we're talking about God, he chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, God predestined you for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Romans 8. God is for you. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How he will not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. 1 Peter 3, in reference to a psalm, says this. For the scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. 
The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. So church, all here are gathered here today. Two main areas that I'm asking for your response in. Number one, maybe God is telling you that you need to acknowledge that you really needed to hear this message today. It rings true in your heart. And sometimes, church, it's good just to kind of act upon that. Maybe writing it down, or in this case, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you need to know today, and that fills your heart, that God sees you, God knows you, and God is for you, you need to make that declaration today to help just some stuff that's going on in your life. You need to make that declaration to make it feel more real in your life. Would you please raise your hand? You needed to hear that today. God sees you. God is for you. There's hands all the way across the church. Thank you, Jesus. Put them down. I speak peace and shalom upon your life today. And the second point I'm going to ask about. Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you wouldn't say, like, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. Or maybe I just don't know this Jesus person you're talking about or this God that you're talking about. For you folks, my question to you today is, do you want to know him? He knows you. He's crazy about you. He thinks you, you're the world. He values you. He wants to love you. But there comes a point in your life where you have to say, I'm going to leave everything that I know and I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole heart. People, that is a journey. And we will walk on that journey with you step by step by step. And we will pray with you in just a moment. But if that's you and you need to start this process, you want a life transformation with Jesus, you feel like he is calling you into something greater, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, if that's you today, we want to connect with you. We want to pray over you. We want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand? You need to follow Jesus Christ. You need to dedicate your life back to him. You want to become a Christian and a believer. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you stand? This prayer doesn't necessarily save you. Jesus saves you, amen? But we have to start somewhere, right? And the Bible says that if we believe in Jesus and, and we confess him as Lord, then we are saved. That salvation, it's going to require us to listen to God's word and to do what it says. And when you start loving God, you can't help but want to follow in his ways. Church, would you repeat this prayer after me? And I pray that this prayer makes it from your head and into your heart and then into your life. Jesus, I come to you as a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, all the things I have done wrong, the things that break your heart. I believe in your forgiveness by Jesus' death and resurrection. I also believe that you have granted me a new life. I commit my life to you. Help me, Jesus, to see you and to know you and to live the life you want me to live. Amen and amen. Can we celebrate with those making a decision today? Thank you, God.